Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey there, Bills fans. Welcome back to another episode of Believe, a Bills fan podcast. I'm Jamie D'Amico. I'm a solo Jamie D'Amico. I'm here with you this week. It seems like me and your normal host, I'm the co-host, your normal host, John Boccasino, and I have been like ships passing in the night. We can't seem to get on the same page with our schedules and it has been us flying solo quite regularly so far this offseason. But you know what? We're still going to bring it to the best of our ability week after week. This week, what we're going to do is take a look at the work that still needs to be done in assembling a Super Bowl roster for the Buffalo Bills. Now, Brandon Bean, by all accounts, has done a bang-up job in his four or five years on the job now. It hasn't been without some mistakes. Looking at Wyatt Teller, there have been some signings that didn't necessarily pan out. Brian Winter, even though he started for a while. But for the most part, I'm pretty happy with the job that Brandon Bean has done. But in order to talk about what needs to happen coming up, we do have to talk about what has been done so far this offseason. And suffice it to say, this has been a crazy offseason. All around the league, it's not just in Buffalo, we have seen NBA-style player movement. And I got to tell you, it makes for a very fun hot stove league, as they call it in baseball. When players are jumping from team to team, it increases parity, but it also increases off-season interest, and that's something that the NFL absolutely loves. If this is a more year-round sport, which is what they have been shooting for when you see things like the draft being moved to late April and even May and switching from city to city, the NFL is going for eyeballs, and they're getting there. So the Buffalo Bills have been participants And it started with them bringing back some of their own players. We saw that Isaiah McKenzie was brought back. A lot of people are saying they're bringing him back to be the number three receiver. I will get to that in a moment. Jake Kumaro for special teams. Saran Neal for special teams. Same thing with Tyrell Dodson, who's a linebacker, and Taiwan Jones. It's very clear that this administration in Buffalo loves their special teams players. They traded for a really a reliable backup quarterback in Case Keenum. And they also got him to take a pay cut, which is a wonderful thing. Speaking of pay cuts, the Bills have gotten a few other players to do some rearranging of their financial deals. Matt Hack, 
took a massive pay cut, and I'm glad to see that. Mitch Morris, Micah Hyde, Matt Milano all did some restructures to help the Bills create some cap space. I was happy to see that. They also cut a few players, and it was not totally unexpected, these folks that were let go. We had Daryl Williams, who was the sixth highest paid guard in the league. He was like the 15th or 18th highest paid tackle. I think he was about the 18th highest paid tackle. But he was not playing like the sixth highest paid guard. So he had to go. John Feliciano, he lost his starting job. You can't pay starter money to a guy who's not going to be starting. So he had to be let go. And Cole Beasley. Now, there's been a lot of talk about Cole Beasley. And let's address that for a second. Cole Beasley requested a trade, and if he wasn't able to get traded, he wanted to be let go. He felt that his time in Buffalo was done. This was not a case of his stance on COVID being the reason the Bills didn't want him around. That's that's not the thing. This was Cole Beasley's doing, and maybe it had something to do with him not getting a real warm welcome by a lot of fans and people in the media, but we don't know. Uh, I, I would imagine that had something to do with it, but he felt like it was time to move on. And, you know, good luck to him. He represented the Buffalo Bills. He played hard. And when we talk about his numbers slipping last year and his performance slipping, let's not forget that he had broken ribs that he played the majority of the season with. It's not an excuse, but it is a reason because when you have broken ribs, it's painful. There's nothing you can do for it. It never goes away. He played with a lot of heart. He always plays with a lot of heart. Thank you, Cole, for what you've done. But that then brings us to free agency. So what have the Bills done to improve the roster in free agency? Well, since we're talking about Cole Beasley, I want to talk about the player that replaced him on the roster, Jamison Crowder. We know Jamison Crowder a little bit. He played the past few years with the New York Jets. And previous to that, he was in Washington. He's a slot receiver. He's a little guy like Beasley. And he's been very productive. He played in Washington with Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith at the helm. He then went to the Jets and played with the likes of Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson. Not exactly a murderer's row of quarterbacks now, is it? But he managed to be productive. Throughout his career, he has had five-plus seasons where he has recorded at least 59 receptions. And if we're comparing him to Cole Beasley, his yards per reception, that being Jamison Crowder, 11.3 on his career versus Beasley's career yards per reception at 10.4. Crowder averaged 48 yards per game. Beasley has averaged 43 yards per Per game for his career. Extremely comparable. Not only are they comparable in size and production, but also in style. Now, I don't think Crowder is quite as quick when it comes to stop start as Cole Beasley, but he's a good route runner. And in fact, if you look at his, if you look at his spider chart of his athleticism, that being Jameson Crowder, It doesn't look like he should be that good. He, you know, with his testing, his 40 time wasn't great. His three cone drill wasn't great. He is one of those players who 
or the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. He's been he's been a good receiver, and frankly, going back to the conversation about resigning Isaiah McKenzie, you have Jamison Crowder making about four million dollars with all of his incentives. Isaiah McKenzie got signed for two million dollars. That tells me they plan on Jamison Crowder starting. Isaiah McKenzie is going to return to his number four position on the depth chart and continue to be a gadget player. Little dirty is popular amongst his teammates and the fans. But the thing is, Little Dirty is a number four receiver. Anyway, I digress. What else have the Bills done? Well, there was a glaring need at backup tight end. The Bills went out and signed O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard is an amazing athlete, which is why he was a first-round draft pick. He's more of a blocker than a receiver at this point. And the past few years, he's been absolutely buried on the depth chart in Tampa behind an eventual Hall of Famer. But this is a smart signing. This is the type of player that you roll the dice on. You roll the dice on somebody with immense physical traits. You assign them to a decent deal and you see if you can develop them. This isn't going to be a challenge to Dawson Knox's starting position, but this is going to give the Bills, I think, a high-end backup that they needed. Somebody who can block, somebody who can run. He may even be able to play special teams a little bit. Usually, athletes like him can. We'll see how that works out. The Bills signed a Pro Bowl guard in Roger Saffold. Another great athlete. A guy who can block on the move and is has very quick feet. He's not a mauler by any stretch, but he was brought in to help solidify the interior of the offensive line. The Bills also signed a very versatile offensive lineman named Greg Mance. Uh, He's been in the league about six years. He was a starter for about three years out of his career, but he's more of a depth signing. And running back Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson, well... Duke Johnson was brought in basically because the Bills need a speed back. Don't expect to see too much of him. He's a depth signing. I wonder if he's even going to make the team. But again, this is the type of player that you want to roll the dice on because you take a person with athletic traits, maybe you can coach him up. Okay, so that's what the Bills have done on offense. On defense, the Bills have gone hog wild on the defensive line. You know who I'm going to talk about first. It's Von Miller. This is one of the biggest signings in the history of the Buffalo Bills. We'll see if he still has it left, but I think that he's going to make a difference in the pass rush. It's the kind of player that the Bills needed. I applaud them for it. They added another defensive end, Shaq Lawson, a familiar face. Shaq Lawson is the type of guy who had a pretty good season and got a big contract and hasn't played up to the contract. He's been on three teams in three years. He signed for the veteran minimum in Buffalo, and he's looking to prove himself. Again, it's the kind of player that I like. I I like it when the team signs guys who feel like they have something to prove. They signed two new players at the one-technique defensive tackle. The very large Daquan Jones, Carolina, big shocker, and also Tim Settle 
from Washington. These guys are going to take the place of Harrison Phillips and Star Lutulele, who have uh, either moved on as free agents or have been let go. I'm interested to see how this works out in stopping the run. They signed another familiar face, the very popular Jordan Phillips. He of the nine and a half sacks a few years ago. Is he a liability against the run? Yes, he was. But high energy dude, the kind of guy that you want on your team because he gets everybody fired up. And they also brought in another familiar face, former Bills practice squatter, Markel Lee. Guy was a high draft pick, has never really panned out, but you've heard this before, another very good athlete. So let's talk about what's left. As we said, that's what this show is going to be about because this roster is not complete. You have more free agents out there that are ready to be signed. You have the draft coming up. I'm assuming that the Bills front office is going to be fairly quiet until the draft because they've spent a lot of money. They have very little cap space left. It's looking like about $2.5 million right now. That doesn't get you too far. They can create space. There are some players that they can they can move some money around within the contracts, and that'll be more than likely to be done. It seems like the Bills have become less conservative with how they handle those contracts now than they had been previously. But there are some holes on the roster. And let's start talking about the offense. You saw that bringing in Duke Johnson was an attempt to remedy this. And this isn't specific to a position, but speed. Brandon Bean has talked about it. Sean McDermott has talked about it. Fans have talked about it. Receivers and running backs. The running backs on this team, outside of Duke Johnson, we're talking about the starter and the second stringer, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Not fast guys. Good vision, good power, good balance, good quickness. Not fast. Not a guy, neither one of them, who's going to break into the second level and then turn on the Jets and just look in the rearview mirror at the defenders that can't catch them. These are dudes that get caught from behind. The receivers, not saying they're slow. You've seen some great deep balls to Gabe Davis. You've seen some some nice run after the catch by Stephon Diggs. We know that Isaiah McKenzie is a pretty quick dude. But they're not yard after the catch guys. Something that has been talked about by the Bills front office. What creates yard after the catch? Moves and speed. And when you see... What has happened in the league, it's the guys who turn on the Jets and get the extra 10 yards, the extra 15 yards, who break a long one just because they're running faster than the defense. It makes a big difference in a team's ability to score points and score points quickly. It makes a difference on special teams, getting down when your gunners get down in punt coverage, returning punts, returning kicks. It's an old saying, speed kills. The Bills know that they need more of it. So look at the draft. Early in it, I can almost guarantee you that the front office, especially Brandon Bean, is going to be licking his chops when those speed merchants are on the board and the Bills are coming up for their selection. 
don't be surprised if you see a trade up if the right guys on on the board and the bills are not too far away from their selection. I foresee them moving up. Let's talk about the offensive line, particularly the interior of the offensive line. The backups right now are Jacob Capra, Greg Mance, and Cody Ford. Does that inspire confidence right now? Oh, by the way, Ryan Bates has signed an offer sheet with the Chicago Bears. That is going to play out in the next couple of days to figure out if the Bills are going to match it or if they're going to let him walk. Frankly, I think the Bills are going to spin it as though they only want a guy who wants to be on the team. So why should they pursue a dude that went and visited three other teams? But if I'm Ryan Bates or Rick Bates, as his teammates call him, I'm probably going to go out and look for the best deal I can because I've been a backup most of my career. The Bills started me at the end of this past season, and it looks like I have the inside track to another starting position. But the Bills offered him basically the average dollar amount, $2.4 million, as what guards are making in the league. If I can make more than average... That's what I'm going to do, especially if I can get a signing bonus out of it. It's good business. So if they lose him, who ends up starting? Ike Butker hasn't been resigned because he's injured. Cody Ford? Is it even possible that they could try starting Cody Ford again? Hasn't he done enough to show you that he's incapable of holding down the starting job? Well... I think he has, and I think that you're going to see some bodies come in because the Bills still have needs, not only if they lose base at the starter position, but they will need depth because you need to be able to account for injuries, and they just don't have it between their guards and center positions yet. Maybe Greg Mance. Maybe he'll turn out to be good depth, but he's been a journeyman and a non-starter for a reason in his career. Now the defense. There's a little work that has to be done. One of them is a glaring need. A couple others are sneaky needs. The glaring need is cornerback. Levi Wallace turned himself from a from an unsigned free agent, from an undrafted free agent, into a more than adequate starter. And he ended up signing himself a decent contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I can't do anything other than wish Levi Wallace the best. He was a professional. His job was never safe. He always worked hard. But I always thought the Bills could do better when it came to athleticism at that position. So without him there, it looks like the incumbent is going to be Dane Jackson, who is a guy with slightly better ball skills than Levi Wallace had. But in stature, they're similar players. In skill, he's not quite what Levi Wallace was. He seems to make some more mental errors. And outside of him, you have Cam Lewis, who is mostly a slot or nickelback or a slot corner. Nick McLeod and Elijah Griffin, both guys who spent all of last year on the practice squad. Oh, dear God. (laughs) 
Like, this isn't good. What if Trey White can't come back from his injury at the beginning of the season? Complications happen with knee injuries. And of course, by all intents and purposes, it's like a nine-month injury. And they're saying that he's even ahead of schedule. But you don't want to rely on everything going right. So if he's not ready to go, Trey White, that is, your starters are Dane Jackson and Cam Lewis. Are those guys you want lining up against Jalen Waddell, Devontae Parker, and Tyreek Hill? That gives me heartburn. (laughs) I know the Bills have really good safeties. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. Brandon Bean, if you're listening, make this a priority. And it better be somebody who's fast, that can run with those guys. We know that the Bills are are playing some excellent teams this year. The AFC is loaded with good quarterbacks. You have to be able to get after the quarterback, and you have to be able to cover the receivers. That's how you win in today's NFL. That's how you are going to get to the Super Bowl in a very stacked AFC. The other needs that the Bills have are a little sneaky. The less of the sneaky ones is linebacker. Tremaine Edmonds coming up on his fifth year. We know that Matt Milano is going to be around for the next few years he's under contract. Can they pay Tremaine Edmonds starter money? Hmm. That's a toughie. But even beyond that, what if the injury bug strikes? Well, currently the depth is Andre Smith, Tyrell Dodson, and Markel Lee, all of whom are special teamers, not guys you want on the field. And I don't even mention Tyler Medikevich because even though we've seen him on the field on defense, that's really not why he's on the team. Andre Smith and Terrell Dodson, I don't want to see them on the field. I want to see somebody who has at minimum the skill level of A.J. Klein and preferably a younger player who is somebody who could grow into a starting role over the course of time. I don't think those guys are it. The other sneaky need we're looking at is safety. Now, I know the Bills have great starters. The Bills like DeMar Hamlin as a backup. Jaquan Johnson, pretty good special teamer. I like what I've seen from him when he's been on the field, but we don't know if those guys are starter ready. So that's the question. When you have a team as good as the Buffalo Bills, should you start trying to stack guys so that you have a starter waiting in the wings? Not possible to do most of the time, but the franchise I want to point at is the Baltimore Ravens. Year after year, they lose quality free agents and their depth players step into starting roles. The Pittsburgh Steelers do that. It's good scouting. It's good cap management. That's really what you want. When the Buffalo Bills were on their Super Bowl run, year after year, they would lose good players and somebody would jump in and play well for them. Well, I think that's what the Bills are attempting to do here. The salary cap prevents teams from really stacking up like 
in Alabama in college. So I, I know that it's not possible. I'm not being naive here. But I would love to have guys who you think to yourself, you know what? If that guy gets playing time, I don't think we're going to see too much of a drop-off. Well, it's wishful thinking. I know. But that's really what I would like to see. So, in summary, what are we talking about here? Well, the Bills still have some more work to do. They have to do it either through free agency or the draft. We want to add speed on offense at both wide receiver and running back. We want to add depth and potentially even a starter to the interior of the offensive line. Cornerback. I think the Bills need a starter. They either need to get a veteran who's willing to come in and play, maybe somebody toward the end of his career like we saw with Josh Norman, or they need to draft one. And linebacker depth. That can be addressed either in the draft or potentially even undrafted free agents. I would like to see them bring in some linebackers who have potential, good athletic skills, and who aren't going to be a burden on the salary cap because you need those rookies to come in in order to make the cap manageable. It's a lower salary. You have control over that contract for a minimum of four years. It's helpful. And this year, the Bills have, what is it, like uh, eight picks? Now, I don't foresee the Bills being able to fit eight rookies on the roster, especially guys that you're picking in the late rounds. It's just, this roster is too good. This is a Super Bowl-ready team. But the more picks you have, the more margin for error you've got. Or the more capital you have to move up to select the guys who have a shorter path to making the roster. So, what do you think? Did we cover all of Bill's potential needs? Let us know. At me on Twitter. I'm at the Jamie D'Amico. Just because John Boccasino isn't here doesn't mean that you can't get in touch with him also. He is at John Boccasino. And leave comments right here on Buffalo Rumblings if you're on that website. Otherwise, we'd love to get your ratings anywhere you get your fine podcasts for my absentee colleague, John Boccasino. I am Jamie D'Amico. You've been listening to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast, and we can't wait to talk to you again next week. Go Bills, baby.